Lord, thank you for another day. Thank you for your chance to open the scriptures. Thank you for putting us in a place in this world that is peaceful and we can assemble without worry of the government shutting us down because you've been good to us, better than we even give you credit for. Thank you for the air that we're breathing right now, for the food that you've given us, for the places to live, for the schools, jobs, communities, friendships. There's so much that you've blessed us with that I, Lord, admit I take for granted. So thank you. Now, based on your goodness, help us to know your way and to follow you, Lord Jesus, so our hearts and our minds are open. Teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. All right. Here we go. Ephesians 3 is where we, uh, we ended at the end of chapter 2. We'll just start in verse, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, uh, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Christ uh, Jesus. Okay, so I should have read all the way to verse 13 because that's one flow, but I stopped it and we'll pick up on verses 7 through 13 next Sunday. I just want us to see where we're setting. Why in the world does Paul write this letter? Uh, he actually tells us, but like a different kind of author, usually you tell people at the beginning what you're going to say, he waits two chapters and then throws it in right here. This is why he wrote the letter. We'll kind of unpack that and what it means, but let's just do a little review because it's been a while. Ephesians 1, he starts the letter with saying, God's done all this stuff, and the rightful response is praise and prayer. When you realize what God's already done for you, the right response of your heart ought to be, thank you, I love you, and I need you. So it's not just saying thank you for what you did. It's because he's been faithful. We know he will be faithful. So we pray. And then he reminds them now, you should really give thanks because chapter 2 is all about brokenness. Before he says why he wrote it, he reminds them God's worth praising and praying to and we are broken. The first half of chapter 2 is about the fact that we are broken in our relationship to God. We're dead in our trespasses and sins and in the way we used to live when we we're following the spirit of this world. We we're going our own way. But God in his great love for us, we saw just a couple weeks ago, in his great love for us, he's provided a way of escape. So we were separated by God, but because of grace through faith in Jesus, we can now live in a new way. And then the second half of chapter 2 is brokenness between us. He reminds them, at one point you were Jews and Gentiles, you hated each other, you were not connected, but because of grace, because of God, now you're living as one family. So we saw last Sunday, Jesus is our peace. Jesus is the peacemaker. He made us at peace with God, and now what he's trying to do, 
The good news is not just you're okay with God, forgiven, free, and now I get to enjoy him. That's just half the cake. The other half is you're in connection to with people with people around the world. You are connected to a global, not club, it's not Kiwanis or any other civic organization. You're a part of God's family, united at the blood level. And, and because of that, you can now learn to love one another. All right, that's the big picture of the first few chapters. Now he tells us why he, uh, he did it. So let's look back at verse 1. For this reason, here's the reason I'm writing. I, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, he's building on everything he wrote in chapters 1 and 2. Verse 2, surely you heard about the, uh, the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. And then underline this next phrase. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. He's already written briefly. It's not another letter. He's saying everything I just said. I've just told you about this grace. But what I want you to know is there was a mystery made known to me by revelation. And what we want to look at this morning is what God has done and what God is doing and how to step in to all that God is and all that he wants to do together. All right, now what's the mystery? He says there's a mystery. When I say the word mystery, what, what comes to mind? What comes to your mind? This is a mystery. What does that mean? Anyone? Sherlock Holmes. This is the second time today. Sherlock's pretty popular. Okay, British answer, well done. All right, like anything else? Sherlock Holmes, mystery. Unknown. Anything else? Scooby-Doo. Scooby okay, that was... Okay, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it's like we got to unlock it. When I say mystery, we're, we're thinking we have to unlock it. It's not exactly what Paul means. He says, the mystery made known to me by revelation. Here's what he means by mystery. A little quote. Mystery is something previously hidden that's now been made known. When Paul talks about the mystery, he's not saying to the church, God's got a secret that you don't know. When he says, I want you to know about the mystery, he's like, the thing that you and I know that God has done in Jesus. Now, what's the mystery? He says it back in chapter 1, verse 7. We'll put this on the screen for time, but it's just like one page over in your Bible. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us, so with all wisdom and understanding, God made known to us the mystery of his will. In other words, he's saying, why am I writing you this letter? I don't want you to forget that God's made his will known to us in Jesus, to the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Jesus. So he says to the church, the reason I need to remind you is you may have forgotten that you understand the will of God. In all wisdom and understanding, God's not hiding from you. God's made this clear to us. Now, not everyone gets it, but I want you to get it. There was a time where you didn't understand Jesus in all of his fullness. That's every one of us. You knew a bit about it. But it was, it was locked, it was a secret in your mind, 
But now, because he's writing to a church, if you're in Jesus, you don't know it all, but what God is doing should not be a mystery to you. And we need to be reminded that God's made his will known and now he wants us to walk in it. Now, how did Paul get the mystery? It was by revelation. Remember, he said, the mystery made known to me by revelation. Okay, what's, what's revelation? A quote here. Revelation is to cause something to be fully known, to, to bring it to light. Now, I don't get these definitions from Webster's. If you're wondering, where do you get these definitions from? I look at what these words mean in the Bible, in their original language, and just try to make it short and sweet, okay? I'm friendly. I'm your friend. And so what this is, is darkness to light. The idea, it's unfolding. The, word, the original word here is apocalypse. Apocalypso. Uh, it, it's an unveiling. It's an unfolding. It's a, wow, I didn't realize it was there. It was in the dark, and now it's been made into the light. So, so chapter 3, verse 3. That is the mystery made known to me by what wasn't known that's fully in the light right now, as I've already written. Verse 5. It has now been revealed. It's been brought into the light by the Holy Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So, so what once was a secret is no longer a secret. This is just set up for the how. We'll get to that in a minute. Here's what I want you to know. God's not hiding, and anyone who wants to know what God's will is, not just for their own, the details of their life, but what God's doing big picture in the world, it is no longer a secret. In Jesus, God is going to bring everything in this world that's broken back together again. He's going to take all these separate pieces and he's bringing unity to everything under Jesus. It hasn't happened yet, but if you keep reading in the Bible, read to the end of the Bible, you realize that God actually lets us know. Jesus reveals to his disciple, John, what he's about to do in the future. And in the future, God's going to take this sin-filled world and he's going to make it new. And those of us who follow him are going to actually walk with him and enjoy him. That's what he's going to do in the future. But now, this shouldn't be a mystery. Why? God has already revealed it. Now he's saying, that's kind of cool, Jose, but uh, I don't get it, and I know a lot of people that don't get it, and that is his point. He's writing to the church because he needs to remind them, wherever you go, whatever you do, this week you are going to be surrounded by people that the mystery, what was once a secret that's now been made known, like we actually can know God, we can know him. For real. That was revealed. It was in the dark to us, but now it's in the light. You and I are people who can help people who are living in the dark or living in the unknown step into the light and know God for themselves. And I didn't read the rest of this little section because we're going to look at it next week. But come next week, the tip is God has a plan to get people in darkness into the light, and it's called the church. More on that next Sunday, but I was in Phoenix this week because I needed a tan. I should know I, I, didn't, I wasn't in the sun at all. I meet together three times a year with uh, like-minded pastors of churches about our size, and we kind of learn from each other, and it's a mentoring relationship. And I was in Phoenix, and on the way home, I landed in Portland loving my wife. I didn't ask her to come all the way from here to pick me up. I just took a lift uh, back because she would have been stuck in traffic forever. And so, you know, if you've ever done any ride sharing, you know, it goes either well or weird, right? And so 
I got in the lift, and, you know, we start to take away. It's like, and the typical chit-chat, hey, I'm Joe, hey, I'm Jose. Oh, we're like the same guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're both Puerto Rican. You, I've rarely met another Puerto Rican in Portland, but we both are like, wow, we got that in common. And he's like, are uh, you coming home? Or are you here for work? No, coming home. Hey, where were you? Phoenix. Oh, I love Phoenix. And then he's like, um, as we get into the conversation, he's like, so what do you do? And you, if, if you ever want to kill a conversation, just tell him, hey, I'm a pastor. This, this week, if you, if you take an Uber or Lyft or anything, just when that's what you just say, I'm a pastor. And you know you're either going to ignite controversy or everyone's going to put in their little ear pods and ignore each other. So uh, I didn't tell you to lie, but if you do, Jesus will forgive you eventually. And so, so I'm there. He's like, you're a pastor. He's like, oh, wow. And he's like, I, I grew up going to Catholic school all my life, and I used to go to church, but, you know, now I, I don't go anymore, but I love Jesus, and I think the Bible has good things to say. I don't think it's all true, but I think it has some, I mean, he's telling me all this, like, okay, thank you for your <laughs> spiritual inventory. But we started there, and now you could either end the conversation or you could use it as an opportunity. I'm like, well, tell me a little bit about that. What was it like? I didn't grow up going to any Christian education. What was that like? And I heard the good and the bad and the ugly. I'm like, well, you said you went to church. Well, well, tell me, like, what happened? Why, why was it no longer helpful for you? And so we just engage in this conversation. And here's the beautiful thing. I never pray for traffic. I was praying for traffic to extend this conversation. But we're driving all the way over. And line by line, little by little, we engage. Not, and I didn't tell him what to think. I just offered an alternative. Have you ever thought about? And he's like, I haven't thought of it that way. And line by line, we begin to think some of the stuff that he believes about God is spot on. Some of the things that he believes about God is slightly off. Some of it is flat out wrong. It's just based on his opinion. It's based on his experience. But he has absolutely no credible proof that that dimension of God or the church is accurate. He just made it up. It feels right to him. And it made me realize, as I'd already planned this message, wow, this is the world we live in. There's a mystery. God's already made known who he is. He's revealed himself in Jesus. And guess what? I have embraced Jesus. He's not a mystery to me anymore. And yet, because of revelation, it's been made known to me. I'm living in the light. Wow, Joey is on the path. He's moving his way towards, and I, I believe at the end, I was like, this was no accident, man. I mean, this is, and we're in my driveway. And, and so I said, hey, Joe, before I go, can I pray for you? Here's a tip. When you ask a question, you just do it before anyone has a chance to, to answer. <laughs> no joke. I was like, would it be right? I'm paying. Would it be right if I prayed for you right now? God, I thank you for Joe. I thank you for his life. I thank you for his. So I just prayed, 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 prayed. And at the end, I could have got to get out of here. You know what I got? Man, thank you. Thank you. And God is all about, all of our lives, all week long, helping us for people, other people, to see the mystery. It's not a mystery to me. I don't know everything about God, but everything I need to know to, or in order to get backed into right relationship with him has already been shown in Jesus. And this is where we're at. He has to remind the church, just like we need to remind ourselves, there was a time where this was darkness to you, wasn't it? It wasn't clear. It was a shadow. It was cloudy. But somehow at the right time, God revealed. He made known to you who he is. And 
By the way, the guy writing it, Paul, if you're new to the Bible, didn't always understand Jesus, did he? We're not going to do it right now, but in your guide, we have a section on uh, Acts chapter 9, which goes through the story of a guy. His name is Saul and Paul. He has a Jewish name and he has a Greek name. Most people, you know, just like I'm Jose or this other guy wasn't actually Joey, but he calls himself Joey. And so multiple people use multiple names. And so he's called Saul or Paul. And it gives the story of what happened, how he came into the light. And, you know, in his case, he says it again and again and again in other letters. Jesus revealed himself to him. He didn't just have someone say, hey, let me tell you about this Jesus I know. Jesus appeared to him and called him and spoke with him. And so what we're going to do in in your groups, you can kind of wrestle through what that means and what that means for us. But let's just go back to the text. There's a mystery, something that was hidden that's now in the open. That's been revealed. You didn't make it happen. God put the light on it. And now you became clear about who he is. Look at verse 3. The mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly, which is Ephesians 1 and 2. Catch line 4, because we just gloss over it. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not known to people in other generations. It's now been revealed from darkness to light by the Holy Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Why read the Bible? This is, someone say like, well, I don't know. Why read it? I don't get a lot of that. Here's what he just says. By the way, he's writing the Bible. He doesn't even realize it. The Holy Spirit is giving him a letter to a church that God knows we're going to read 2,000 years later. And here's the connection between the mystery and revelation and your life. Paul says this, if you read what I am writing, the things that God showed me, revealed, made known to me. At one point he says, I was taken up into the heavens and I saw mysteries that if I told you about, you wouldn't believe me. I have been in the presence of God in ways you don't understand. You don't have to go there. He says, if you will read what God has shown me, you will understand it. In other words, we're not all going to have the same experiences like Paul and some of the other early apostles did. But by very reading, thinking about, applying, accepting the same truth that transformed their thinking can transform our lives. Paul's eyes are open by God's grace, through faith in Jesus, to understand things. So once as people sometimes say, like, man, I wish I was there. Because if I was there and I saw Jesus, I, I, would, um, I would have a better sense of following him. That's an absolute lie. How do I know that? Most of the people who walked with Jesus face to face didn't follow him. How many people are there at the cross? John. That's it. They're all gone. So there's no advantage that they had. The same Holy Spirit that was leading and guiding the early apostles, prophets, leaders same Holy Spirit who inspired the writings, if we will read, think about, soak in, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, we can have the same 
benefit is what I'm saying. And, and this, is, this is why um, next week especially, please listen to that conversation. This is why church is so important. Because what we're going to read next week is we're going to realize that God's given a plan, a plan, his plan, his only plan. And it is through the group of people, men and women, young and old, all of us who follow Jesus, that God's manifold wisdom is going to be known in the earth. The way the world is going to know Jesus' love and his acceptance and his grace and his mercy and his new start is through us. He's not going to do it through angels. He's not going to do it through heavenly signs saying, here I am. You know, he's going to do it through you. We are the people that are God's plan. Why? It was a mystery, but he opened our eyes. It was revealed. It was in the dark. Now it's in the light. And so be careful when, when you avoid church. Joey doesn't go because of very specific circumstances. But my word of love to him, my word of love to you, is be careful if you find yourself shrinking back from the church. Be careful if you find yourself criticizing, bad-mouthing, avoiding the very thing that God has put together so that you and I will grow in grace and let the world know of his love. And here's what we need to remember. There are all sorts of things going on right now that you and I don't see. Now, everything we need to know has been revealed. So everything I need to know about you, I, I can kind of see. What do I see? I see your body language right now, and I see your clothes. Everyone's set for fall. It's so kind of cute. You know, I'm ready for a group picture. That's all I see. I see your smile, your frown. I see your mm, or you're leaning in. I see that you're freezing. Sorry. I see, I, see, I see the externals. Here's what I don't see. Here's what I don't see. I don't see that right now your heart is beating without you even trying to. I don't see that you're subtly breathing in and out, and in comes fresh air that gives life to your blood cells. And somehow as you breathe out, toxins are being released and all that, and your body is working. I don't see some things. I see certain things. And can I just suggest this to you? God is doing things that we can see and that are unseen. Don't give up on what God is doing in this community together because there are mindsets that he's changing week after week. There are truths that he's embedding in your soul that you don't even realize the impact it's having on your life. But just by listening to God's word, worshiping God, meeting people, being challenged in your faith, there's growth that's going on. And this is the mystery. Look at verse, look at verse 6, and we'll just apply this out. Verse 6. This mystery is that through this good news, the Gentiles, that is those who don't have the Jewish background, the Bible background, they are heirs together with Israel, the Jewish people. We talked about that last week. We're members together of one body. We're sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. The church is God's family made up of all sorts of people. This is the mystery. God decided to throw us together in a room and say, I love you all. Now, that's next week. For, for now, though, what we get from God is a mystery that's been revealed. I want to think about just for a couple of minutes what this means and what this doesn't mean, and then we want to respond and live into it. When he says it was revealed to the holy apostles and prophets, here's what Paul in wisdom has gotten. 
God speaks in time to certain people for everyone's good. So when you read the Bible, here's what you need to remember. You're not just reading a book written by some people. And this was, this was Joey's challenge with it. I just don't know how a book written by a bunch of people over time can accurately be God's word to me. And, I, and I, you know, as a thinker, I could totally get that. Like, you read the Bible, you're like, man, could this, and some of the stuff just sounds confusing, and some of the stuff sounds contradictory, and some of the stuff I really don't like to hear. How do I know? I want you to read this. It's on the screen for our benefit. Write it down, 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21. Above all, this is written to the church, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, through, though human, spoke from God as they were carried around, uh, carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what's happening is Paul, as he's writing from prison to this church, the Holy Spirit is guiding him to remind that church about specific things that are true. And the Holy Spirit is knowing when Paul is gone that those same truths that built the foundation for them are going to build the same foundation for every generation, even to now and even when we are far gone. This is a mystery. None of the early writers even knew this. Paul didn't know it. Peter didn't know it. But that God was going to work through them, the prophets and the apostles. So when I say revelation, here's what I mean to make a distinction. There is a mystery, a secret, that's now been revealed, brought from darkness to light. What happens to us isn't so much revelation in the sense of like Paul got it. Because God has given us the scriptures. If I say I've got a new revelation in that sense, like God gave me a new truth that, oh, it's not in the Bible, but when I was alone and I was in Forest Park and I was going on a walk, a light shone from heaven and God came to me and suddenly I could almost see the words and hear, and here is God's word and now I it magically is written down and I'm affirming it and I'm giving it to you. We should follow my teaching. That's called a cult. And it's happened throughout the history of time. People have said God gave them a revelation. Now, God has revealed through his prophets and the apostles the now written word of God. What we have and this isn't a Bible word, but it's a helpful word. What we have is illumination. God brought the secret things into the light. That's revelation. Now, when that light becomes light to me, like, oh my gosh, God loves me and is not mad at me and has provided grace for me. When that light becomes light to me, my mind is illumined. It's not a new revelation, which is why we study the Bible and look at the Bible, because we realize everything we need to know about God. Now, is everything about God in the Bible? No! He's inexhaustible. Everything God wants me to know about him is in the Bible. And in that, my mind could be illuminated. And here's where the same Holy Spirit makes sense. The same Holy Spirit 
that gave the words to the apostles and prophets now is at work in your mind. And so let me just use an example, and we're going to tease this out. Let's just say, I'm thinking about what Jesus said. How is the world going to believe in me that doesn't see me? And here's what Jesus said, John 17. If you love one another, as you love one another, people will know that you're my disciples by seeing your love for one another. Here's how this works. That's revelation. How is the world going to know that Jesus is real? By our love for one another. Now here's the question. How do we actually love one another? So the Holy Spirit illuminates to us. Love is the key. Now that same Holy Spirit can tell you and tell me, what does love look like in the here and now? How am I going to love you? How are you going to love me? And how are we going to display the love of Jesus together so that people will know that we're really his followers? So we should thank God that we have the mystery, the secret, now revealed, brought from darkness to light. And what do we ask for? We ask for illumination. We ask God to take the light that's already light, whether you believe it or not. It's already light. But I need that light from this book into my soul and into my life. So I can ask the Holy Spirit, because this is all light and all true and all life-changing, take these words and bring them to life and light in me. Not so that I will just know them. I have met many people who know the Bible better than me, but don't have the love of God. Have you ever met someone like that? Really smart, intelligent, can run circles with logic around my brain, but yet don't have the life of God. They know the revelation, but it hasn't become illumination. It hasn't become real to them. So this is what we're invited to do. And this is what I'm asking you to do. All right, what this means and what this doesn't mean, and I'll do this really quickly. The good news is revelation means there's always more to discover. There's always more to discover. I never exhaust the Bible. I read so much about Ephesians every week, and my mind is blown. You should see me in my house. I'm like, I can't believe this. this is so true. I should spend the next six hours on Sunday laying all this out until the church dies and never comes back. But there's so, there's so much. And, and just when I think I'm learning, I'm learning. Let's not become content with what we know. But also, there are things that we believe that might need adjustment. I, I say it, and I'll say it again. I think you could trust me with about 75, maybe 80% of what I say is true. I would love to say 100% of what I say is true. That's just a lie. Not that I'm lying to you. There are certain things that I don't fully understand. There are certain applications that might be off base. There are certain things that, that upon further reading and thinking, you know what, I'm going to change and say, like, I thought that was right. But the more I see, the more the Holy Spirit is revealed, I, I didn't realize I was sort of right but not fully, which is why we need one another. Test everything I say. Test everything that's said here. Don't be critical, but be discerning. And I think the third thing is we ought to come to the Scriptures with humility. Because they were written not by humans alone. This, my friends, is the one unique writing in all of history that has God's stamp the word used in the Bible, it is God-breathed. Real humans wrote it, real personality, real character, 
but the Holy Spirit was guiding. And because this is true, I ought to come to it with humility and say, Holy Spirit, if you could take things written thousands of years ago and affect my thinking, God, I thank you. Humble ourselves and let the scriptures read me. Let the scriptures read us and transform us. What this doesn't mean, and this is equally important, is we just wait for something to magically appear. What I'm saying is like, just because we have this revelation, what I don't say is like, all right, God, I'm going to test you. If you want me to know something, drop it. Right? That's what we want to do. We want to say like, well, God, if you wanted me to know that, why didn't you just tell me? Well, here's the thing he has. We don't just wait. We, we research, we, we read, we talk, we think, we podcast, we wrestle with it because we want to grow in God. Yes, he's brought it into the light, but hear me, just because it's in the light doesn't mean it's light to you. And so I want to press into that. Um, it doesn't mean that receiving from God keeps us from hardship and suffering. Paul starts the chapter with this. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus. Notice, he doesn't say a prisoner of Rome. Rome had him in jail. But he recognizes his circumstances. God allowed him to be in prison for a reason. And here's the funny thing. It's in prison where almost all of his letters are written. If he didn't have that time to think and nowhere to go, we wouldn't have a lot of the Bible. But the Holy Spirit knew and Paul knew, God, you're doing something. So it's the Holy Spirit at work in our circumstances. Learning and growing in God does not mean you go through less trials. It probably means you end up in more. But you have the Holy Spirit all the way through. I depressed some of you saying, like, I'm not going to read the Bible now. He told me life's going to get worse. No, it won't get worse. It may be hard, but you'll find the power to go through. And finally, it doesn't mean we're all going to agree on how to live it out. So let's get practical. How often should we take communion? What does the Bible say about how often we should take communion? Because it says, as often as you get together, do this in remembrance for me. So should we do it every week? Should we do it once a month? Should we do it once a quarter? Should we do it in the building together? Should we do it in homes? You know, they originally did it around an actual meal. It wasn't separate from a physical meal. It's like church and dinner. And in dinner, they would take out the wine and the bread and they would break it together. So are we right? Are we wrong? We do it every week. Are we right? Are we wrong? Duh, we're right. <laughs> For us. We're right for us. Another church does it differently. That's right for them. Illumination. For us, we feel like we should do this together. Other places feel like they should do it more occasionally. We don't judge one another. Here's what I'm saying is God revealed what we should do. He didn't reveal the frequency. So we humble ourselves. Um, what about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit? What should they look like when we're together? Paul clearly says, I want you to grow in prophecy. To a church, by the way, that was prophesying all the time. Man, I wish you guys prophesied more. And whenever you come together, if anyone has a tongue, if anyone has a word, if anyone has a song, you should do it. Holy Spirit wants to work through all sorts of people. What does that look like for us? Some of you leaned back in your chair in fear and trembling. What it means is we're called to grow. What does that look like? We grow in illumination. The Holy Spirit over time grows us and pushes us. Either way, there are lots of things that you and other Jesus followers are going to disagree about. But hear me. Paul says the mystery is that you belong to you, 
belong to you, belong to you. You belong together and you're united in Christ. So what I don't want to do is in my growing and learning from the Holy Spirit, become more divisive because I know more. And the tendency we have is the more we learn, the more we want to stick it in someone else's face. I wish you knew what I knew. Let me tell you what to do. Rather, in humility, we say, Holy Spirit, help me to love. The world's going to know that you're my people by your love. So what would it look like to live like a loving Jesus family this week? Let me just ask you. We have the mysteries been revealed. Love one another. We can one, love one another because God has given us his love. His love is living in us by the Holy Spirit. I can love you. So that mystery is now revealed. You, we can love one another. But what does that look like? Does it look like bringing food? Does it look like paying a bill? Does it look like giving an encouraging word? Does it look like giving your time and attention? Does it look like serving? What does it look like? Here's what we got. The Holy Spirit illuminating. The Holy Spirit illuminating your mind and my mind. And those that are led by the Holy Spirit are the children of God. Not those who follow new rules. Those who follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, those are the ones that the world sees. They're children of God. Why? Because somehow these people don't make sense. You got ducks loving beavers. You got introverts loving extroverts. You have all sorts of this madness. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. And then when the person who's wondering what life is about comes into contact with the Jesus people, they say, I don't know if I believe the whole Bible, but I want what they have. And that's my prayer for Joey. His hiccup is the church. His hiccup is experience. But I'm praying that he, he sees somehow the love of Jesus working through different people and that he's drawn in. So now we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to do this work in us. I'm going to invite you to stand up to your feet and we're going to ask God to work out his love in our life. So a couple of responses that make sense. We have a prayer room. Why have we done this? We put nice, chill, coffee shop-like furniture in the side room because we recognize sometimes you need to get out of a, a room like this and just pray with someone about something that's important. Something's gone on this week. Something's challenging you. Something is a burden. Do me a favor. Let us love you. When everyone starts singing, just make your way out to the right. The door across the hall, sign clearly says prayer room. Let someone who's been thinking about you pray God's life. Maybe share a Bible verse. Maybe listen. That's how we love one another. We're going to go and take the bread and we're going to drink the cup together. We're going to remember Jesus and that's how we love one another. But what we really need is, as we worship is to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to show us today and this week what is it like to press in when we're not in this space? Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to guide you now about people and places and things that matter to Him and we follow His leading. Little by little, we follow His leading. I pray that will be true of you. Lord, guide us, we pray. You said those who are led by you, Holy Spirit, are the ones that are your children. So we're your sons and daughters and now we're leaning in we're not resisting. We're not too busy. We're not pushing you aside. 
We're asking you. We're leaning. God, lead us. God, grow us. God, open our eyes. Open our ears to how to love one another and the world that you've put us in. We don't know how, but we have you. Lead us, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name.